Good afternoon. This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm Kyle Kellums. You can listen to KUAF anytime, anywhere with our free KUAF app. It is Giving Tuesday. In this hour, we're observing Giving Tuesday with stories that we've aired this year, stories that highlight the spirit of our area's nonprofits. And in just a few minutes, the AIDS Memorial Quilt is in Fayetteville this week. The head of the Democratic Party of Arkansas and two other groups are promising a legal challenge to the approval of new legislative district boundaries in Arkansas. The Arkansas Board of Apportionment, which is made up of the governor, the attorney general, and secretary of state, all Republicans, voted yesterday to give final approval to new legislative maps after a 30-day public comment period. Governor Hutchinson said at the end of the hearing that it was a fair process. Grant Tenniel chair of the state Democratic Party, said the maps were intentionally drawn to reduce the voting power of minorities and said the issue will be brought to court. The districts are redrawn every 10 years following the release of new census data. The number of people hospitalized in Arkansas with COVID-19 is on the rise again. The total number of virus patients increased by more than three dozen in the last 24 hours. There are now 390 patients in Arkansas hospitals. New cases increased by just more than 200 in yesterday's testing, and the Arkansas Department of Health reported two more deaths from COVID-19. Three projects with University of Arkansas Connections are among those being considered at this week's World Architecture Festival Awards program. Adohi Hall, a residence hall dedicated on the U of A campus in October 2019, is one of 18 projects shortlisted for the Housing Completed Buildings category. Two buildings at Thayden School in Bentonville designed by Marlon Blackwell, the E. Faye Jones Chair in Architecture at the University of Arkansas, have been shortlisted as well. The Thayden Reels Building and the Thayden School Bike Barn are two of 18 projects in the School Completed category. The World Architecture Festival begins tomorrow, and almost 500 projects from more than 60 countries are shortlisted in a total of 20 categories for the awards program. The Arkansas Department of Transportation announced more than $2 million of federal matching grants will be distributed in northwest Arkansas for trail and sidewalk improvements, including half a million dollars for work on the Heritage Springs Trail in Benton County and another $500,000 for the Highway 112 Clabber Creek Trail Tunnel in Fayetteville. It will be a three-person race for a vacant seat on the Fayetteville City Council. The filing deadline for the Ward 2 seat was noon yesterday, and three candidates, Leslie Belden, Kristen Scott and Mike Wiedeker are seeking the position left open after longtime council member Matthew Petty resigned to concentrate more on his work away from the council. The election is scheduled for February 8th. Early voting will begin February 1st. And the Arkansas Razorback men's basketball team is back in the Associated Press Top 10 after starting the season 6-0. The Razorbacks are ranked 10th in this week's poll. Arkansas ended the season in March ranked in the AP's final Top 10 of last year. This is Ozarks at Large. Much of our program today will center on Giving Tuesday, a day when area nonprofits benefit from contributions made to them as the holiday season continues. We're going to listen again today to some of the stories we've aired in the past few months that are about a few area nonprofits working to help their communities. Before that, 
we spend a few minutes discussing the largest piece of community folk art in the world, the AIDS Memorial Quilt. This week, a part of the quilt is inside St. Paul's Episcopal Church in downtown Fayetteville. As part of World AIDS Day tomorrow, there will be a service open to the public at the church beginning at 7.30 tomorrow evening. Yesterday, we talked with Reverend Adlin Tyler, curate at St. Paul's, and Richard Gathright, the director of Northwest Arkansas Pride for NWA Equality, about the quilt. Reverend Tyler says the quilt's arrival in Fayetteville is the product of a conversation. One of our members, John Barry, um, who's really involved with NWA Equality, came to our rector, Evan Garner, and said, I want the AIDS quilt to come here. And Evan said, great, what are we going to do? What's next? Um, And through a series of events working with Equality um, and sort of John being that partnership uh, piece between the two of us, um, we started getting emails. The quilt is coming. It's going to happen. We're going to have it in our sanctuary. And um, I remember being with a couple of my colleagues walking through the church with our tape measure. 12 feet by 12 feet is very large. Uh, and going through our sanctuary, seeing where that was going to fit was um, a, a real meaningful moment for me. Where is it? It is on the walls of our chapel. Uh, the only large enough place uh, to fit such large panels of the quilt, which is exciting. It covers some of our our stained glass, which feels a perfectly worthy reason to cover those and really add to the character of the building for a week um, right next to the congregation uh, where we all see it the whole time we're worshiping. What are the opportunities for the public to see this quilt while it's here? Because it's only here for a limited time. The quilt is available for viewing and reflection daily from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and starting Wednesday this week through Friday, December 3rd from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. And Wednesday is World AIDS Day. Correct. Mm-hmm. So there, there will be a, a, a service, a commemorative service yes. at that? Yeah. A service at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in the chapel. I believe that's going to be an ecumenical interfaith sort of service, a service that's welcome, anyone is welcome to attend, um, won't be particularly Episcopalian, just in our space. And you know, one of the panels we have uh, is for Fayetteville, Don McKinney, who designed the Fayetteville Square Gardens. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he passed away, uh, I believe, in 1985, and his block was created around 1991. And and that brings up a point about the quilt, of course, the quilt began decades ago and unfortunately continued to grow as, as, as people died from the disease. This is a, a tw- you mentioned 12 by 12. So obviously mm-hmm. the quilt itself over the years has become far bigger than that. Yes. Oh, yeah. There are over 50,000 yeah. panels commemorating mm-hmm. everyone. Well, I mean, you know, over 100,000 people that have died. Mm-hmm. And we just have four of them. And it, it's baffling how large they are. So to think about how large the full quilt is and how many people are remembered via that quilt is, there's no real words to describe that. Volunteers are still needed to help monitor the quilt. Um, If you'd like to volunteer, just go to nwaequality.org and we've got a space on our our website where you can volunteer. And I imagine monitoring means being there with it. Correct. Mm -hmm. This seems, Depending on where you worship, how you worship, there are pieces of iconographic elements throughout that help you reflect and help you remember, and this seems to fit in 
with that in a church sanctuary. It absolutely does. Yesterday, I spent some time after our services wandering and looking at each of the quilts, and I'm amazed by how much religious um, artifacts are on there. There's lots of prayers. There was one that really struck me that had a felt version of a hymnal on their square, some angels and crosses, of course. It, It fits really naturally in a church. And to me, as a queer person who is also ordained in the church, uh, it's impactful to see that sort of religious memory of people uh, who may or may not have been welcomed to be their whole selves in their church. Um, and I, I find it really profound to see that sort of memory in a church, knowing that they are, at least in, at this point in time in this church, fully welcome. Uh, I wish that was true during their lifetime, but I'm I'm grateful that we get to house that memory, uh, even if just for a week, um, and get to see them in our sanctuary worshiping with us in some way or another. And that was one of the main reasons the quilt was, you know, invented because a lot of people couldn't have funerals. Right. Funeral homes wouldn't accept them because they right. died of AIDS. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, this was a way for them to be memorialized and celebrated in life. And welcome. I like that you said that because there were many who were, you know, estranged from families for whatever reason at the time. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just hugely stigmatized back then because people just, they didn't understand. They didn't know. Um, and, you know, we, NWA Quality, tried to bring the AIDS quilt for 2021 Pride. But due to COVID and, you know, all those things, um, it just didn't happen. We participated in a virtual celebration of the AIDS quilt, but we were finally, you know, able to bring it here, you know, thanks to John Barry and St. Paul's. And, you know, we were able to fund it and get it here. So we're happy that it's here. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you, Kyle. Reverend Adlin Tyler is the curate at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Fayetteville. Richard Gathright is the director of Northwest Arkansas Pride for NWA Equality. They were at the Carver Center for Public Radio yesterday. The World AIDS Quilt is at St. Paul's through Friday. Tomorrow night at 7.30 at St. Paul's, there will be a public service as part of World's AIDS Day commemoration. This is Ozarks at Large. This is Ozarks at Large, and if you've checked your email today, you probably know already it's Giving Tuesday. The observance is designed as a day to support the organizations making a difference in your community, for your family, throughout your life. Today on Ozarks at Large, we're celebrating with a few of the stories we've aired in recent months about just a few of those organizations. We begin with a story from early September. A Carroll County charity called People Helping People pays the cost of prescription medicines for people in need. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reported in September, the nonprofit has assisted thousands of patients over the past 30 years. Social worker Sue Hopkins is co-chair of People Helping People, established in 1991. And uh, we are a, a prescription assistance program. The only thing that we do is help people buy their medicine. The poverty rate in Carroll County population, nearly 29,000, is around 16%, where many working poor labor in the poultry industry on the eastern side of the county or serve in the tourism industry in Eureka Springs and surrounding area. Uh, Sometimes we also help uh, purchase some medical supplies, um, 
diabetic supply sometimes. And sometimes we've even done things like over-the-counter medicines like head lice shampoo. But basically, it's prescription medications. Hopkins for years worked as a hospital social worker where she saw the need firsthand. Uh, there was a committee years ago um, in Carroll County called the Carroll County Resource Council, and their task was to develop new resources for the county, but they had to identify what the needs were first. And so uh, there were needs like for transportation, needs for single parents. So out of that, we brought over Ozark Transit came to Carroll County then. The Single Parent Scholarship Program came to Carroll County then. But we also identified that people needed help paying for their prescriptions. Six county pharmacists, she says, are partnered with People Helping People and help to coordinate the prescription program. So we had a meeting with every single pharmacist, and they all agreed, you know, they would, they would talk amongst themselves, or they're not allowed to set prices or anything, but they all agreed that they would work with us so that we could, um, you know, pay for a prescription, and we would let have a bill with them for the whole month, and then we would pay them off every month with one big check for all of the prescriptions that we helped buy from that pharmacy that month. Patients needing prescription financial assistance are screened. You know, originally we started off with an application, and we would review these applications once a month, um, and it was a slow process. So what that meant was it took people forever to get their medicine. And what we realized was people needed their medicine often the same day, or they actually needed their medicine the day before they called us often. But um, it's very simple. All you have to do is call the social worker at the hospital over there in Berryville, um, explain your situation. She'll review uh, what your income is and what your needs are and what your expenses are. That's social worker Roberta Kirby, who works for Mercy Hospital Northwest Arkansas. She says her time administering people, helping people, is supported by the hospital. We serve um, um, uninsured, um, underinsured children, senior citizens and the disabled uh, frequently see people that might be in gaps uh, with their medical coverage, and so we can help fill in that gap while they're getting coverage. Kirby says this prescription charity program is novel. I get mostly self-referrals. The uh, personal called me uh, themselves, and I just do a short screening to see if they have health care coverage to see what they might qualify for, and maybe look at other resources to get their medication besides people helping people, and um, and then I'll just I'll call the pharmacy and approve uh, their medication, and they can go pick it up. So, I mean, the whole process just takes about ten minutes. Payments are made directly to pharmacists who dispense the medicines. But, you know, there are people who need our help every month. Uh, you know, as somebody who's on disabled and on SSI, their income is $720 a month, and then their Medicaid will only pay for six prescriptions. And many of these people take um, 12 or more prescriptions. So by the time they pay their rent and their utilities and get some groceries, they have no money to buy medication. She says the need has escalated during the pandemic. You know, we had a head of a household in a hospital, four small children at home, had missed several weeks of work. 
And so, you know, they just, they had, you know, scrape every penny just to pay the rent. So we were able to, um, we paid for medication and we got, we were able to take up a collection and get them some groceries. Kirby says pharmacies work with the charity providing best prices. Oh, it's it's great to be able to help people. You know, I, I don't know how many people when I tell them, you know, we'll get their medicine, you know, they start crying on the phone that they're so happy to have some help. Uh, and to, you know, same thing, people go to the pharmacies when they get, can get their medicine, uh, they start crying. I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's you know, I feel good that I'm able, able to help people that way. Again, People Helping People co-chair Sue Hopkins. Many times we've actually had people call us right from the pharmacy for help. We've got our signs posted right there in the pharmacy. Or the pharmacist will just say, you know, when they tell you what it is and you go, oh, I don't have $30 or, oh, I don't have $100 or I don't have $300, um, the pharmacist will tell you, hey, you can call Roberta Kirby. And, um, and if Roberta's there, you're able to get your medicine filled sometimes within 15 minutes w- with our program. Last year, the nonprofit paid for 942 prescriptions, costing $26,000. And we served 300 uh, different people. Uh, And sometimes we will, often we will repeat helping that person. They might be trying to get Social Security disability. Uh, That takes sometimes two years to get. We've helped many people. We have helped every month for two years. Uh, But it's paid off for them. They didn't have access to their medicine. And interestingly, some of those people have actually turned around and volunteered for us years later or even given us donated back money to us um, that had meant so much to them because we've really literally helped save lives here in Carroll County. People Helping People has long been supported by the Carroll County Community Foundation as well as private donations and through fundraising events. To make a donation, search peoplehelping.org. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. That story first aired on Ozarks at Large in early September. On this Giving Tuesday, we're listening again to just a few of the stories we've aired in just the past few months about area nonprofits and their work. By the way, that's the subject, area nonprofit work, every weekday morning on the Community Spotlight on KUAF. Every Monday through Friday at 6.30 and 8.30 during Morning Edition, Pete Hartman talks with representatives from area nonprofits, agencies, and organizations. You can also find past editions of the Community Spotlight at KUAF.com. A new Community Spotlight tomorrow morning at 6.30 and 8.30 on KUAF. Ahead on Ozarks at Large, how a summer camp connects with children with autism. And later, a nonprofit helping a nonprofit. We go back several weeks to hear Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth report about new beginnings, bringing efficient transportation to more people. That and much more still to come on this Giving Tuesday edition of Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. The Botanical Garden of the Ozarks is holding its annual holiday membership drive. BGO members receive a year of benefits, including unlimited free general admission to the garden. The garden is open Friday through Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Memberships and more information available at bgozarks.org. This is Ozarks at Large, and this is Giving Tuesday. All around the country and 
all around the state and our region. We're listening to a few pieces today that we've shared during the past few months, pieces that place a spotlight on some of the work nonprofits do here. Let's go back a few months for this story from Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore. Out past the main galleries at Crystal Bridges, walking beside the whir of construction equipment outside, we arrive at an oasis, a space for learning for school-age kids. Eight students, some who are on the autism spectrum and some who are not, sit in a room learning about art and identity. Standing in front of the class, vying for their attention despite myriad distractions, was Kim Kroll. Yeah, my name is Kim Kroll, and I'm the Access and Inclusive Programs Manager at Crystal Bridges. Kroll says that one of the main goals of Camp Connect is more geared towards providing kids with autism an opportunity to grow their social skills. It's a way for um, students to practice learning social skills while also um, connecting with other campers and learning about art by looking at works of art in the gallery and by making their own works of art in the studios. One of those students was Jaden Donaldson, an 11-year-old who is from Carl Junction, Missouri, but is spending the week with his grandparents, who are from Northwest Arkansas. For Jaden, Camp Connect is a soothing space. It kind of just makes me calm and um, relaxed. Kids with autism can be hyper, and this is calming and relaxing at the side of art. Jaden, like every other student I spoke with, says he enjoyed the art, but it was also important to meet other people who had autism, just like him. I'd say that I had a fun time at um, camp and that the teachers are really nice and it's a good opportunity to make friends. Kim Kroll from Crystal Bridges says that building friendships is one of the major goals of Camp Connect. These kids come from from various backgrounds. Some of them have been to camp before. Some of them are new campers. But um, we offer opportunities for them to connect through, like, talking about works of art in the galleries and through connecting with similar similar interests, which has been kind of the, the reasoning for the identity theme for this camp this year. Um, we've been talking all about what makes you, you. And so in doing that, some of the campers have found that they have lots of similar interests. Um, there are also some interests that are different, but that's totally fine. Uh, that's definitely what makes us unique. Um, so they've been able to bond through those, those similar interests and to learn more about each other in general. One of those students who was excited to make friends with similar interests was Wyatt Fletcher, a 13-year-old from Fayetteville. I just came here to make new friends and work on and just make new friends that, that, are, that have my type of details. So I want to try doing that. When Wyatt says his type of details, he means it literally. He was holding tightly to two drawings he had recently done that were extremely detailed, including their backstories. This is a villain. His name is V Plant Mutant Viren. He is um he plans to avenge some fallen plants who um who died, so he, so he took a sample of his um, dead plant and, and priced it inside him, but it, something went wrong. He drew twice his size, and now he, this is what he looks like. 
He's more. It's more villain once I show you what his real story is. I'm just making it short enough. Wyatt says he's not like the other kids who love superheroes who come in and save the day. That's too easy. I love villains, and the way, and I would like this, but I would actually be surprised if a superhero lost to a villain. I would be very surprised and very happy. But I, but I don't like it when the other villains get thrown in jail. And you know, villains have rough stories, and they don't they they've gone through a lot of bad times. But you have to understand how they feel, and that's why they've gone bad. Many kids love things in an antagonistic way. If your parents love, say, the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe you'll choose the Chicago Cubs just to have a way to carve out your own space. Wyatt's affinity for villains may come from a place of identity, too. Wyatt points out that villains have rough stories, and you have to understand how they feel. Kim Kroll, again from Crystal Bridges, points out one of the difficulties of being diagnosed with autism. Well, if you've met one person with autism, you have met one person with autism. Um, Autism is reflected in in many different ways across many different individuals. Um, And so just knowing that and and knowing that uh, individuals with autism have have different opinions and and, um, they're individuals first and foremost, but um, just trying to to learn how to best welcome them in any situation, I think is is key. Um, It's definitely, inclusion is a a beautiful, beautiful thing and something I, I think we need more of. We need more of. Camp Connect wrapped up on Friday, and Kroll says she could see the growth in many of the campers. It's really fun to see kids start opening up um, and and going in, uh, just connecting with other kids. It might be kind of slow at first um, to form those connections, but uh, it's a it's a process. And it's really cool to, to be able to see that even in just such a short amount of time. Wyatt says one of the main reasons he loves to draw is the amount of detail he puts into his art. And Camp Connect offered him a space to explore and encourage that side of himself. I, I like how the teacher, how the people and the teachers are impressed how I made my artwork. And uh, sometimes I put in, I, and I put in a lot, a lot of details. And well, I do appreciate making new friends. And the, but sometimes some, well, sometimes I might stare the kids sometimes because some of my artwork is just a bit scary a bit. But, but I don't always bring scary artwork. I just bring the cool type. You can see a small sampling of the cool artwork Wyatt created, including V Plant Mutant Viren at KUAF.com. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. That story aired earlier this year on Ozarks at Large. This hour, we're replaying just a few of the stories and interviews we've aired in just the past few months about nonprofit efforts in our area. There are many other stories we don't have room for today, and you can search for all kinds of stories, features, and interviews at OzarksAtLarge.com. Just ahead this Tuesday, how three numbers, 211, can help people all over Arkansas with all kinds of solutions. Speaking of area nonprofits, this is a busy time of year for many of them. For example, the Black Action Collective is partnering with many community groups to host the warm-up Fayetteville Coat Drive from December 1st through the 31st. New and good-conditioned coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and blankets will be collected and distributed to Fayetteville Public School students, 
Seven Hills Homeless Center, and New Beginnings, Northwest Arkansas. To find drop-off locations, BACNWA.org. The Christmas at Peel Museum event supporting Peel Compton Foundation returns December 3rd. That's Friday. The evening will include seasonal performances from Theater Squared and NWA Ballet Theater, a signature cocktail by Pink House Alchemy, dessert bites from Rick's Bakery, and more. Proof of vaccination will be required with registration. Tickets are on sale at peelcompton.org. Rangers Pantry is a community service that helps families meet the needs of their pets during tough times. Throughout December, you can donate dog or cat food to local Northwest Arkansas families who may be struggling this holiday season to take care of their pets. Donations will be accepted beginning December 1st, that's tomorrow, through the end of the month at the Fayetteville Public Library's Preschool Library. If you'd like more information, you can go to FAYLIB.org. That's FAYLIB.org. And the Single Parent Scholarship Fund will host Jingle Mingle December 9th in Springdale. It's a fundraiser which offers scholarship recipients and supporters a chance to mix and mingle to cap off the end of the year. Reservations should be made very soon to do so. SPSFNWA.org. That's SPSFNWA.org. This is Ozarks at Large, and we're observing Giving Tuesday with a few stories we've aired in recent months about nonprofit work in our area, and in some cases, work that extends beyond our over the air broadcast range. Three simple numbers are connecting thousands of Arkansans all over the state every month to help. 211. The statewide service, operated by United Way of Northwest Arkansas, is free and confidential, and can be called 24 hours a day. The line connects callers to essential health and human services. This autumn, Arkansas 211 announced new partnerships that will further expand services. A grant of $97,000 will help launch a statewide effort with the rideshare service Lyft for transportation to health appointments and other social needs. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is promoting the feature through its eight regional locations. Another grant allows for transportation to and from COVID-19 vaccine appointments. Earlier this year, we invited Dallas Mudd, the executive director of Arkansas 211, and Jackie Hancock, the president and CEO of United Way of Northwest Arkansas, to the Carver Center for Public Radio to talk about 211. Dallas Mudd told us using the service is simple. You can dial 211 from any phone, and you get connected with one of our community resource advisors, and they can just walk you through with what you really need. Um, some of the biggest demands that we have is food insecurity, utility assistance. Obviously, right now, rent and mortgage assistance is another big one. Um, but we see all kinds of needs. And some of the biggest needs that we have right now is transportation. So the transportation need in Arkansas is is coming to the forefront of, of what we see of the need being. And transportation, that is to get to an appointment or something like that. Exactly. You get to an appointment, a uh, doctor's appointment, or, you know, I don't have a way to really go grocery shopping to a quality, you know, grocery store to get quality food. So I'm stuck with, you know, the local whatever's in my community and, you know, we're not eating the healthiest, you know, how, how do I get quality food? And um, so we're, we're proud of being able to help our Kansans through that. 
This has been operating for a few years now. It is. So we launched it statewide uh, March 19th of last year, and the success has been phenomenal. Um, success meaning that we are seeing an increase month over month of the call volume and access into Arkansas211.org as well. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is a literal lifeline for people. Oh, it, by, by any means, it is a lifeline. Um, you know, we... We understand that um, people don't call two one one to say you know thank you and have you know I hope you're having a great day. Um, <laughs> they they call two one one because they are in need and they don't know where to go, or um, you know they're just looking for somebody to listen to them. And one thing that we train our our CRAs on is we understand that if you call two one one for you need help with groceries, so we're, we're, we train our our employees to understand that if you are having problems with groceries, you're probably having problems with utilities. You're probably having problems with rent. So um, while we have them on the phone, we try to address those other issues. And, you know, it, it it sounds like a quick call, but some of our calls go 15, 20 minutes while you're trying to, you're trying to do your best to take care of somebody that you will never meet. You know, you're, you're there to help somebody else. What about um, Ride United Vaccine Access? Yeah, so okay. Yeah, we're really excited about that. So this was a grant that was um, given to us by the Palo Alto Group and United Way Worldwide, and it enables us to provide up to 3,200 rides to vaccination appointments to any Arkansans. There's no qualifications for it. If you call two one one and say, "Hey, I need a ride to a vaccination clinic," we're going to set that up for you. Um, all you have to do is call 211 and we'll go through the process with you. It is Lyft dependent, so it is only specifically designed for the Lyft um, car service. So, you know, out in the rural areas of Arkansas, we struggle a little bit. You know, there may be one Lyft driver for four counties. Um, so, but we, we're hoping that we can have a positive impact in the, in the population centers of Arkansas. And, you know, it just adds to it. There's no excuse not to get a vaccination now. I mean, we, we can have a vaccination come to you or, you know, through another channel, or we can get you to a vaccination site. I'm wondering, what is it like for the people on the other end of the call? I mean, what does it sound like? Where does, where is that person? When we started, uh, before we moved to one, one, uh, we went statewide with it. Our call center was in California and, we were we were at, uh, it was at, at another United Way um, in California, and they were a large uh, United Way that handled a lot of two one one calls around the country. So after we after we launched two one one statewide, one of the things that we wanted to do uh, was eventually bring the call center back to Arkansas, and so we were able to do that um, with uh, help from the Walton family and some others. To, to be able to do that, to provide technology here um, and and actually hire people in Arkansas answering the phones for other Arkansans. So we're really proud of that. We've, we've hired nine people to, to help us do that, and we're probably going to be hiring more uh, just because our call volume is, is uh, going through the roof. But to, to Dallas's point um, that, that he made earlier about, about people who are calling in you know, it's, it's, it's funny because um, we are hearing from people who have never asked for help for, before for anything. Mm. Um, they may have always been working, uh, you know, two jobs, but they were working. And so we have, uh, especially from our Alice population, which is um, asset limited, income constrained, but employed, 
um, back when the pandemic started, you know, you had you had uh, two parents who were working, maybe both working two jobs. All of a sudden, neither one of them have a job. And so they're, they've been put into a position like, what do we do? We, we do not have a safety net. And so 211 has become that safety net for a lot of our Kansans. So, you know, people who are on the other end of the phone, uh, you know, another point Dallas made is that, you know, we, we kind of go through a progression of, of, of questions with them about um, if, they're, if they're just calling in for um, utility assistance. Well, there's like there's probably other things going on. So we try to get to the bottom of that and then develop a plan uh, that uh, helps them through this, plus providing them the resources that they need to, to be able to get this fixed. And um, and so a lot of that is, you know, is done through our 211 uh, callers. Uh, I mentioned vaccine access. There's transportation access. There is. So we also have a smaller grant that um, <clears throat> we're going to be able to provide access through Lyft again um, to help people get to um, doctor's appointments or, you know, I got to go to the pharmacy and pick up my prescription and my husband has the car or my wife has the car and, but my child needs this. Um, so it's a, again, Lyft dependent on, you know, in the available area, but we have that technology now or we have that ability. And, it, and it's, like I said, it's really easy. You just call into 211 and, and you, you talk about, okay, I need X, you know, this is what I need. So we will either provide you with a Lyft token if you already have a Lyft account on your phone or we set that up for you and we can set it up to a week out. So mm -hmm. if you know, say, you have a doctor's appointment coming up um, next Thursday, you can call us up. We can set that up and the Lyft driver will be there to pick you up and take you to the doctor's appointment and then we set it up for the return home. Um, so it's, it's just really exciting. It's just, you know, it's helping our Kansans get over that transportation barrier. Hopefully there soon will be a last mile, a third sort of uh, tenant to all of this, and yes. that would be helping deliver things that people need. Yes, it's our Trident approach to transportation yeah. is what I've, I'm, I'm coining it. So that's the Ride United Last Mile Delivery Service, and that for that service we'll be partnering with DoorDash. So, And that is ridiculously exciting for Arkansas because it's going to cover anything, almost anything social determinants of health related we're going to be able to deliver that to your house. So when you think social determinants of health, um, you know, think of food pantry. You know, well, I don't have transportation. My wife has a car. My husband has a car. Um, we are able to set up a DoorDash delivery just like if you were getting on your phone mm. and bring me my pizza. So we can set it up to bring me my food from the food pantry. Or if you're a diabetic, we can get your medical supplies to you. Um, one of the things that we're going to partner with UAMS on is the diabetic hot meals, you know, um, specific meals for, for, for diabetics. We're going to be able to deliver those through the, the DoorDash partnership that we're having. Um, that will launch probably mid to late January of next year. So we're working out all the fine tuning of that. But, you know, and I've talked about food. Um, it's also going to cover um, pet food for surface animals, hygiene kits. I was about to ask you. Know, yeah. So a natural, a natural disaster. And we have hygiene kits that need to go out to the community. Um, we're we're going to contract that out through this program, and we're going to make sure that we get those out. Another um, awesome thing is um, infant and baby mom health. So, you know, getting formula out there, you know, um, getting any kind of, you know, baby supplies or medical supplies um, for an infant and a, a young mother. Um, we're going to be able to take care of that through this program as well. That was part of a conversation about Arkansas 211 that first aired last month on Ozarks at Large. 
Jackie Hancock is the president and chief executive officer for United Way of Northwest Arkansas, and Dallas Mudd is the executive director for Arkansas 211. And while you can call 211 for services, there are other ways to connect as well. There is also a texting platform. You can text your zip code to 898-211 and receive access. There's a website too, arkansas211.org. Okay, again, that's texting your zip code to 898-211 or online, arkansas211.org. Dallas Mudd says the website's monthly traffic is another 2,500 to 3,000 independent hits. You can find out more about support for the service at unitedwaynwa.org. This Tuesday is Giving Tuesday, and we're spending time with recent stories and interviews we've had on our show in recent months about nonprofits across the region. Ahead, a story from this fall from Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth about helping people get to and from places easily and safely. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents In American Waters, a new exhibition featuring marine paintings by a wide range of American artists, including Georgia O'Keeffe, Amy Sherald, Nick Cave, and more, as these artists present the beauty, violence, and transformative power of the sea in American life. On view through January 31st. Tickets and info at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large. We know it's autumn, late autumn in fact, but we can think about summer for just a few moments. Walton Art Center earlier today announced a pair of concert dates for the Walmart app scheduled for June and September 2022. In June, the venerable band Chicago returns to the amp for a Tuesday night concert with co-headliner Brian Wilson of that ever-so-summer band, The Beach Boys. Tickets for the June 21st concert will go on sale December 10th through all the usual Walton Art Center ticket outlets. And another AMP show announced this morning, this one featuring the Goo Goo Dolls, is set for September 18th, 2022. That's a Sunday night. It's a tour that was supposed to be in the summer of 2020, then in the summer of 2021. Tickets for the 2022 concert go on sale December 17th. That's again through Walton Art Center outlets. ProPAC Corporation of Fort Smith is, for the sixth year, partnering with Arkansas Children's Network for a toy drive called Festival of Stars. ProPAC is encouraging families, civic groups, schools, churches, you get the idea, to host a toy drive to help fill an 18-wheeler by December 10th. Donations of toys will be accepted through the 9th of December, The truck will then be driven to Arkansas Children's in Springdale for toy delivery. If you'd like to see a complete wish list associated with the Festival of Stars, you can go to archildrens.org slash festival. And if you'd like more information about a toy drive, you can call 651-5405. That's a 479 number, 651-5405. I'm Callum Borchers. A new documentary looks at the life and activism of tennis great Arthur Ashe. His brother Johnny remembers, even after winning his first major, Ashe was thinking beyond the court. He says, I'm a champion now and people will listen to me. Tennis was still a vehicle in his life. It wasn't the end all. That's next time on Here and Now. Here and Now, this afternoon from 1 to 3 on KUAF. And you can listen anytime, anywhere with the KUAF app. This 
is Ozarks at Large. We continue our salute to the spirit of generosity and the work of nonprofits this Giving Tuesday with another story we first aired this fall. Two local nonprofits are working together to provide reliable transportation for people in need. In October, Pedal It Forward donated bicycles to residents of the New Beginnings housing community for people experiencing homelessness. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth filed this report. It's a chilly October morning as volunteers with Pedal It Forward unload bicycles on the gravel lot in front of New Beginnings in Fayetteville. Here, I'll take that one. Yeah, you like that, huh? Yeah, it's, a, it's always a mix from Pedal It Forward. But, uh, on Thursday, the nonprofit, which refurbishes used bikes and donates them to those in need, distributed 20 bicycles to residents at the new housing community just south of Seven Hills Homeless Shelter on School Avenue. Kenny Williams, the director of Pedal It Forward, says one of his group's main goals is increasing access to reliable transportation for everyone in northwest Arkansas. Well, you know, New Beginnings happens to be located so close to our to our greenway system. Uh, the residents can u- actually use these bicycles to get to jobs, to get to, to social engagements, to get exercise, uh, just to get out and enjoy the resource um, as they should. And so it's a great place to have a bicycle here at New Beginnings. And Williams says the bike donation program is part of an ongoing partnership with Pedal It Forward and New Beginnings. So we're, we're essentially filling their need at once today with 20 bikes, and then uh, Solomon will be able to submit bikes as needed uh, when new residents move in. Solomon Birchfield, who runs New Beginnings, agrees that transportation can be a major obstacle for people experiencing homelessness. And he says projects like this help to provide resources for people trying to move out of homelessness and also engage the community in the issue. A lot of people who are homeless use bicycles as their main mode of transportation. Between bikes and public transit, that's how everyone gets around. Uh, so it was really cool to get to partner with Pedal It Forward. Just, I, I told everyone as we moved in, like, hey, Pedal It Forward wants to like, donate a bike for every cabin, a bike for every person. And so there was enthusiasm from the beginning. Uh, and yeah, I think that just helps us as a community, A, know that we all are working together. You know, to make this community work, we've got to have people that want to help provide meals, people that want to offer counseling, people that can step in and say, we've got bikes to help people get around more efficiently. So that's just cool to know we're all partnered up um, to support people who are transitioning out of homelessness. The Bridge community, which opened in September, serves people experiencing chronic homelessness. The site has 20 cabins with a bed, shelves, and air conditioning at roughly 140 square feet each. Tenants live rent-free on a temporary basis while they work with staff to find long-term housing. And every person here meets meets with our housing specialist each week so they can start identifying goals that they're working on. Maybe it's getting a photo ID, signing up for a cell phone, um, applying for housing programs, uh, kind of juggling work sometimes with people that are working um, and other goals that they have that will help them move out from here into more permanent housing. Robert, one of the new residents, says projects like this are rare in northwest Arkansas. Anybody can be homeless. Um, I wasn't raised to be homeless. You know, it was just life happens. Um, but New Beginnings is a good chance for people to, you know, to have an, a fresh start and um, 
some of the other places, you know, I've been off and on homeless in uh, North Coast, Arkansas for about 12 years. And um, there's not many places that step forward and do anything like this. I mean, there's lots of places that feed, but you got a safe, warm place to be. And, you know, just, we don't have, we've never had anything like this in North Coast, Arkansas. Or I don't think many other places in the country. And he says even small things like providing a bike can make a significant impact on someone's livelihood. A lot of times, you know, I've had a few in the past, they get stolen pretty quick. Um, or they break down, and I haven't had one in a while. So it's going to help me quite a bit get around for food and stuff like that, uh, job hunting. Nearly 370 people are considered homeless in northwest Arkansas, according to a 2020 report from the Northwest Arkansas Continuum of Care. And Birchfield says the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated that problem. Well, homelessness is at crisis levels here in northwest Arkansas and nationally. In August of 2020, the city of Fayetteville partnered with Seven Hills Homeless Shelter to manage a safe camp on land between Huntsville Road and 15th Street to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. With money from the Federal CARES Act, the camp provided people experiencing homelessness basic services like food, showers, sanitation kits, and other supplies without them having to move around the city. Operations shut down in mid-October, and nine people from that camp are now at New Beginnings. And Birchfield, who helped manage the camp before becoming the director of the housing community, says his organization will help the city move beyond just emergency response to homelessness. I think that what we're doing here is a really good first step. We're trying to provide a place that folks can move out from camps and streets and vehicles into a place that's safe and that's truly supportive and empowering and focused on what's next, on what their more permanent home looks like. I think in the community, it's time to really be focused on solution thinking, not just how do we mitigate the pain and suffering of folks who are having to go through homelessness, but how do we, as a community, come up with real solutions so that people have affordable housing with needed supports uh, as necessary. And after one month of being open, Birchfield says he's already seen the benefit that transitional housing can provide. It's been better than I even hoped for. Um, the residents who moved in have really just taken responsibility and ownership of the community. So they've organized, you know, staffing the front desk and three different cleaning teams and, and having a, a weekly meeting where they discuss what kind of rules and guidelines um, for the community. So I just love seeing people kind of be able to move off the streets, out of the woods, into a place that they can feel safe and start to, you know, share space together and get the support that they need. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Hey, we appreciate you, Dr. Bro. Hey, we got more. We got some locks. We got you some lights. I like that purple, too. That's cute. Yeah, that's my favorite color. That story first aired earlier this autumn on Ozarks at Large. We're celebrating the work of nonprofits in our listening area on this Giving Tuesday. Tomorrow, on a Wednesday, Ozarks at Large, it's a celebration of the music and life of an Arkansas legend and treasure. She was everything. She believed in music. It wasn't about church music and secular music. It was about music. That's why she was very comfortable doing the jazz and the blues. You can hear the blues in her voice. But she was everything. I loved listening to her music. I even got the 55 uh, CD set.
Just so I could listen, I ride down the road mm-hmm. listening to her. Theater Squared's production of Marie and Rosetta offers us a chance to learn more about and hear a lot of the music of Sister Rosetta Tharp, an architect of rock and roll, R&B, gospel, blues, and more, and a native of Cotton Plant, Arkansas. We'll talk with Mickey Brayton, the actor portraying Sister Rosetta Tharp, and director Steve H. Broadnax III. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF. And you can always hear the most recent edition of our daily show by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by Merton's Eye and Optical in Fayetteville, offering curated selections of handcrafted eyewear and sunglasses from independent eyewear manufacturers, including Barton Pereira, Alem, Moscott, and more. Eyewear styling consultations are available. More information at mertenseye.com. This is KUAF 91.3, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Murphy Park. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Timothy Dennis produced today's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich, Matthew Moore, and Daniel Carruth. Our thanks to the news team at KUAR in Little Rock for additional content for today's show. Our theme is titled First Hurrah. It's written and performed by Daryl Sean. And on this Giving Tuesday, I should thank you for your continued support of Ozarks at Large, KUAF, and Public Radio for giving us the attention and resources we need to tell you about where you live. Thanks to your continued giving for the past three and a half decades, we've been able to expand our services, like creating a daily version of Ozarks at Large almost 11 and a half years ago, like offering free additional stations, KUAF 2 and KUAF 3, that offer round-the-clock classical music and jazz, and that can be heard on your HD radio through the free streams at KUAF.com by asking your smart speaker or through our free KUAF app, the app that also allows you to send us messages, lets you listen to past editions of Ozarks at Large and more. And we will continue to develop new free ways for you to experience your public radio station in even more exciting ways. We'll continue to develop new podcasts and news programs and music programs. So you're never more than a button away from hearing great public radio. Thank you for being there with us. Thank you for being there for us for the past 36 years. Please take care of yourself. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new, all new show at noon and 7 p.m. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums.